0: Um, Our hymn tonight, Blue Sheet, If Thy Beloved Son O God is our hymn, Uh, it's for this coming Sunday, it's the third Gesima Sunday, or Quinquagesima, Uh, those have us counting down from 70 to 60 and now this one, the word Quinqua is 50 days uh, until uh, Lent begins and we got a 40 day Lenten season, so about a uh, a week from today, we'll have Ash Wednesday and, and start. This hymn, <clears throat> written by Johann Herrmann, uh, he lived uh, during the Thirty-Year War, uh, which was a terrible, decimating war. It was after the Reformation, and thus uh, it was uh, a fight for the faith and designed to squash out Lutherans forever. Um, <coughs> And so, uh, there were many during this time that uh, hymns like this that were written. Uh, He also wrote, Jesus grant that balm and healing. Uh, You may also know, O dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken? Wrote that one as well. Uh, He thought it went back, uh, there was some Latin uh, poems that he based it on. Thought it went back to Augustine. It actually goes back even, uh, further, but, uh, goes for some Latin meditations that it's from. You will note, uh, similar to, oh, just drew a blank. Um, what was our hymn? Was it last week? Week before? Uh, salvation unto us has come. Um, that was written by one of uh, Luther's contemporaries. Uh, you will note the, the core theme, the Luther justification, those kind of things. However, during the Thirty-Year War, you begin to see some of the hymns that are being written, and where you have uh, the pronouns us and we, they start to be I and me and my uh, in these uh, the hymns were not just for uh, Sunday morning. You use them during the week with your family, and, and, uh, and so uh, these two. And so you'll notice the first-person references, that uh, singular, that are listed. All right. Uh, TLH has this one. Lutheran worship does not. LSB also has it. In all of those, they only have four stanzas. Uh, they omitted the fourth stanza. We'll be taking a look at that one. Uh, they did add a doxological stanza to get them back to five, but we don't have that doxological stanza that, uh, that they added. So let's take a look at it. Repeat after me. If thy beloved Son, O God, if thy beloved son, o God had not to earth descended,
1: Had
0: not to earth descended. And clad in mortal flesh and blood.
1: And clad in mortal flesh and blood.
0: Sin's death chains had not rendered. Sin's death
1: chains had
0: not rendered. So, sin had given us the chains of death. Uh, If our Savior had not come down from heaven in flesh and blood for us, he could not have... Rended. What's that?
1: Broken. Torn. Broken it.
0: Tore it up. Broken it up. So, uh, if he had not done that, that would be our situation. Uh, the wages of sin is death, kind of the Romans 6.23. Uh, this is where he starts. My soul in untold misery My
1: soul in untold misery
0: Would pine in hell eternally
1: Would pine in hell
0: because of my transgression.
1: Because of my transgression.
0: So you got the uh the my soul, you've got the my transgression. And so he says, Listen, without that, uh that's what I deserve. I deserve the death chains, I deserve uh, uh to experience hell. Uh and it all is my sin, and uh, sin deserves punishment, and that's what I would receive. That's stanza one. Well,
1: I do. You, you're saying with Luther's contemporaries and Luther's teachings, we started writing, hymns started being written for at home as personal prayers, basically. Is that what you're saying? Um, the
0: Thirty-Year War comes after kind of the period of the Reformation. Now, Luther was having them write hymns, and that that's very true. The problem is that during the Thirty Years' War... The churches, many of them were decimated, they were at war, there was, I mean, it it was not that, that they were running it for, that's where it was used. I mean, you, you did not have, you were out in the trenches, or you, you know, your church had been burned to the ground, or you were, you know, and so often this, very difficult trying famine you know all the stuff that kind of goes with war and, and all that they were experiencing and so um, it 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 was written often very much with a personal you know it wasn't just what's what's the doctrine just tell me the doctrine it was it it affects me and it's my faith and I'm holding to you know so it was very personal that that's what I mean I. I We find that that's the case. The themes are the same. Mm -hmm. Um, The uh, uh, and it and it does appear to seem I'm going to say to be a little different than what the church had been used to. Um, That quite personal, I and me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, usually it is the we all believe in one true God. I mean, it's it's uh, Mm -hmm. that language. So. And these weren't
2: Luther's contemporaries because the Thirty Years' War began in 1618. Luther died in 1547. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. seven years after okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: okay. Yep. That's it. it's kind of the second. Very very so, sense. so. so. Yeah. yeah. Right, correct. Sansa 2. But now, sweet peace and rest.
1: But now, sweet peace and rest.
0: I find despair no more reigns o'er me. No me. Sin's burden need not press the mind. For Christ hath borne it for me. So you begin to see this reference to kind of the peace and rest uh, uh, being described as Yes, it, it it is of the conscience, it is of, of those burdens, but, but that's also something that they were longing for. Upon the cross for me he died.
1: Upon the cross for me he died.
0: That reconciled I might abide,
1: that reconciled I might abide.
0: with thee, my God forever. With thee, my God, forever. So stanza one says, without him having come, if thy beloved Son of God had not come, here's what would be my situation. But with his coming, what's going on? He's going to give me peace and rest. He's going to reconcile me with God the Father. He's going to come and die upon the cross uh, for me. And he says, therefore, I, I don't need to be concerned. It doesn't need to press against my mind. The, the, the law and the sin, the that which is to hurt. Because now I have something else to think of, that which uh, answers to that. Stanza three. Therefore, in childlike faith my heart
1: Therefore, in childlike faith my heart
0: builds all its hopes on Jesus.
1: Builds all its hopes on Jesus.
0: Abiding peace he doth impart. Abiding peace he doth From burdens he releases. From, from burdens he releases. So we begin to see that faith, hope, and trust. We see the faith, hope. We see the abiding peace. Uh, it says, what do what we should do? Well, the Lutheran themes uh, rely, have faith, hold on to uh, what he has released us from. Continuing on three. His holy blood for me was spilt. His holy to cleanse me from the stains of guilt.
1: To cleanse me from the
0: stains of guilt. Whiter than snow he washes me.
1: Whiter than snow he washes me.
0: Um, that wa- washing white as snow, that's an Isaiah uh, passage. Um, you also have it in Psalm fifty one where I create me a clean heart and he washes me whiter than snow. Um, the reference to the blood of Jesus. And so uh, talking about uh, shedding his blood, talking about washing us with his blood, talking about cleansing us with his blood, uh, tonight we'll be uh, uh, returning to the sacrament of the altar in the catechism section to uh, direct our attention to the, the blood that he has given to us. Stanza four is the one that's uh, left out. I'm at a loss. Guys, I I have no idea why it would have been left out, but saved through my Savior's precious blood.
1: Saved through my Savior's precious blood.
0: I am rejoicing ever.
1: I am rejoicing ever.
0: Not from thy grace, O Lord my God.
1: Not from thy grace, O Lord my God.
0: My ransom soul can sever. My ransom soul can sever. So I'm rejoicing in uh, being saved through the blood of Jesus, and never not uh, will I be apart from your grace. Uh, I can't be cut apart from this. I cannot be cut off, severed despite you know my sinfulness. I've got a Savior and what He has done. All that my blessed Redeemer's death. All that Hath one for me, is mine through faith.
1: Hath one for me, is mine through faith.
0: And Satan cannot harm me. And Satan cannot harm me. Yeah, so this uh, justification, through faith which is mine, what, you, you cut that verse out? I, I don't know. Um, having said... That this is the way it comes through this faith, that, uh, uh, so that what he has won becomes mine. Um, and if it is mine, then I can't be cut off from God's uh, grace. In fact, uh, there's nothing can harm me, not even uh, Satan. Stanza 5. Vain is the carnal righteousness... Vain is the carnal righteousness that seeketh exaltation in works of law which cannot bless. So if you're going to seek righteousness, fleshly right, carnal righteousness, the stuff of this world, it says you will seek in vain. You cannot provide it by means of the uh, flesh. No, the works of the law... The law does not give us salvation. It does not impart. It exhorts us what to do, but we can't keep it. We can't do it, and so it cannot bless us. I trust in Christ's salvation. I trust in Christ's
1: salvation.
0: His all-sufficient sacrifice. His
1: all-sufficient sacrifice.
0: Paid the tremendous ransom price. Paid the tremendous ransom price. And I am saved, believing and I am saved So, salvation through faith. Saved through believing in him and what he has done. Um, who makes the sacrifice? Christ. Christ. Your sacrifice? No. Christ. Um, what about the pastor? What about my Lord's Supper? Is that the sacrifice? No. It's not a sacrifice. It's not something we offer up to God. Uh, no, here it is. The sufficient sacrifice is Christ, uh, and that becomes the ransom price, the one that buys me back. Um, uh, the tune for this one uh, is the quite familiar Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice. Um, in fact, it probably goes farther back even with this hymn uh, than, than even the other ones. But um, Anyway, so it'll be quite familiar. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. Questions. Alright, let's look at the catechism. We're on the sacrament of the altar. What is the sacrament of the altar? Repeat after me. It is the true body and blood,
1: it is the true body and blood of
0: our Lord Jesus Christ. Under our Lord, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Under the bread and wine. Under the bread and wine. Instituted by Christ Himself,
3: instituted
1: by Christ Himself,
0: for us Christians to eat and to drink. For us Christians to eat and to
1: drink.
0: Where does all this come from? This answer about what's the sacrament? Well, body and blood uh, under the bread and wine. Where where do we get the uh, answers for this? <laughs> so, we're going to get to, you know, the second question, which says, where is this written? Where, where'd you get this stuff? Um, we find that it's written not just in one place. We find that it's written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then St. Paul puts it in Corinthians as well. We have it written in four places. What is written there? Well, the words of institution. Who instituted this? Christ. 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 Our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was a prayer. Who said to do this? Jesus. Who makes it what it is? Jesus. So he is the one who's deciding. He's the one who has instituted and has told us to repeat this thing that he set up. So if we're going to ask about this, well, we ought to go back to him and his words that he might teach us what it is. First of all, it says, it is the true body and blood. The true body and blood. Whose body and blood? Our Lord Jesus Christ. It's Jesus' body and blood. Well, what... What kind of body and blood does he have? Just like you and me. That's the only body and blood I know. (laughs) Um, The ones like you and I have. Um, Absolutely. And so, if thy beloved son had not come down and taken on mortal flesh and blood, well, he's got it. So now that he has body and blood, well, now he can, in this particular one, uh, he can take it. What does he say about this? This is my body, which is given for you. And a little bit later, he talks about a uh, drink of all the cup of the New Testament, my blood, the blood which is shed for you. What blood? blood. The blood he shed. Shed. Where did he shed that blood? On the cross. On the cross. The body given hmm he's giving this his body to us. there's some that say, well, the body of christ you know that that can refer to uh, uh the 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 church, the people that's the body of Christ, and there are passages of the scripture that speaks of this so. The body of Christ. Was that given for you? Uh, in, in, the, Matthew, Matthew. in the last supper, was God passing out the church to these guys? I don't think so. Yeah. I, has anyone ever passed out to you, the believers? The Not that I'm... Of course he's not talking about that. Are you, yo, when he says, the body given for you, he's talking about his natural body. When he's talking about the blood that was shed... I don't know about another reference that blood can refer to something. Of course not. And so what does it must be talking about? It must be talking about Jesus' natural body and blood, just like we have. This is what he is, and he is promising that he is giving it out. It's the, not symbolic, not representative of something, not some other kind of made up something or other. It's the true body and blood, the actual one that he had. And here he says in the Lord's Supper that he promises that he is going to give it out for us. And you say, so what is it? Well, it includes that because our Lord said it. Under the bread and wine. What about this bread? Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, what night was that? What was going on? they were celebrating the passover and at the passover unleavened bread. unleavened bread was there absolutely and so this is what they used he took the unleavened bread and he took the fruit of the vine what did they have that night and wine that wine that natural wine the wine of the grapes and so with these two elements he takes of this that's what is in the cup And he says to them, this is my body, this is my blood. So there is bread and wine, which we can see and feel and taste, but there is also the body and blood of Christ, which he tells us that he is going to give to us with these things. It was instituted by Christ himself. And it says it's for us Christians to eat and to drink. He doesn't just give it out to any. He wants it given to those who are his professing, believing Christians um, that they might do this in remembrance. Do this in remembrance. Um, This is not simply a memory activity. It's not just a memory aid. Uh, The do this means... Receive what he has there, which is the body and blood in and under the bread and wine, for the forgiveness of sins. And so to take of this for forgiveness is to remember that is my Savior, I'm a sinner, and you're giving that out. That is what the sacrament of the altar. Okay, Um, we will get to it another point, but in the Roman Church... They say that this particular thing is not the sacrament of the altar so much, they prefer to use the terms, it is the sacrifice of the Mass. Sacrament is something that God gives to us. Sacrifice is something that we give to God. And so what they say is is that the priest does this ceremony that Jesus told us to do And he gives it up to God. He offers it up to him. Here, God, here's a sacrifice. Would you accept this sacrifice? Sometimes they will call it an an unbloody sacrifice. They say, well, on the cross it was different. Jesus actually shed his blood. But here, it's just uh, uh, with the bread and wine. They will say the body and blood is there. But they say it's a sacrifice which we offer up to God. And by which... Uh, he wishes to give us forgiveness. What about this sacrifice talk?
2: The sacrifice is done once for all time, forward and backward. Christ is it. You don't do another sacrifice.
1: Right.
3: If you would say it was a sacrifice, Then that would mean that we were doing something in order to receive this forgiveness of sins, which would then put it on me, kind of cooperation with Christ. You would have to do a
0: sacrifice, and then I would pay you for your sacrifice. So what if I tell you that the words of the institution Jesus told you to do this? Ah, see, there's the words. You've got to do it.
2: It doesn't make it a sacrifice. And if it were a sacrifice, in a way that's thrown us back under the law. because you know, that,
1: you know, But we're escaping from the law. So,
2: when you, you are that, right it forward.
0: does not agree with law and gospel yeah. it does not so, agree with what so,
1: so those who are saying that this is a sacrifice we're doing show me how number one and number two even if you were right you're defeating the purpose of it
3: when you say take eat, you know I put a place in my mouth it's not like I'm doing anything I'm just it's, you're receiving
0: so the words do this mean receive, receive. I got something to give you yeah do this, receive it. It's not telling you to do something else, to perform some kind of special feat, to do some kind of sacrifice to pay. The do this means receive the body and blood of Christ under the bread and wine for forgiveness. It's commanding us to do to receive the gospel, not commanding us to offer up to Him something. There's no sacrificial words in here.
2: Our religion- not doing things to get something from a God or we you know, some sort of obeisance. It's no wonder that the Romans, the pagan Romans, looked at us and wondered why we're eating our God and were horrified by it, because it's backwards to everything else in the whole world. Right. Right. And to call it the sacrifice of the mass is to misunderstand it in a very worldly sense. It's to make it no better than other pagan religions.
0: So there is The belief it is the body and blood with that. But it turns it into some kind of action, which we do in order that we might receive. And they would actually go as far as they say that you can give it out for the living and the dead. That is, whoever I want to give it out to, we can give out those benefits, because we kind of earned it, uh, and we could do it. But that's what you see going on. In the Reformed churches... They would say that it's not the body and blood at all. There's nothing special going on. It is simply a meal that occasionally you will do this. It becomes a mental activity in which you remember that Jesus suffered and died. You kind of remember that last night. And by doing this, you show others that you are serious about Jesus
2: which puts everything, the reflection back on you, all the attention goes back to what you're doing. In other words, it just works.
0: Is it a sacrament or a sacrifice for the Romans, or for the Reformed Church?
1: It's neither. Yeah, I think it's
2: kind it's of a sacrifice. sacrifice. It's a
1: It's a good work.
0: Yeah, it's it's something fair. that I do to show... Is, are they getting anything, sacrament? No. Nope. No, they admit that. You're not getting forgiveness. You're not getting the body and blood. It's all symbolic. It's all figurative. The only thing doing is you're offering to God your confession, your seriousness. Which is... It doesn't mean anything. So we go, well, wait a minute. Over here, they say it's not the body and blood, but they turn it into a sacrifice. Over here, they say it is the body and blood, but it's going to be the sacrifice to the men. For the
3: Reformed is no different than wearing
0: a T-shirt that says, Jesus. Wait a minute. You think they're on different ends. And they really don't like each other. But the reality is that you fold that back over and you realize that they're doing the same thing. They're taking that which is the sacrament, what God is giving us, the body and blood of Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. Um, What do we do? God's instituted this. We want to observe it as he instituted and for the purpose and that also includes well using his words not mine it means using his elements he set up the use of bread and wine if you replace the wine with grape juice then we don't know then we don't know what it is Are you doing what Jesus said? Well, you know, uh, what will we be told? We will be told that, well, you know, I I think God would understand. So where did he say that he would understand? Did he say that? No. Oh, well, I was told this last weekend that, mm, you know what? The Holy Spirit can work. You know, it's God, nothing's impossible for God. The Holy Spirit can work through that way. We're trying to do it better than Jesus. I go, Jesus that's not the question. Can the Holy Spirit work any way that he wants? Of course he can. Of course he can. But he is not promised that. Who has the authority? Do I have the authority to change the elements? Nope. Not at all. God is the one who has set these up. Karen, and then... It's the Holy Spirit tells us
1: in his word what he's doing and how he's doing it. So why do I
3: have to tweak it?
0: Correct. <laughs> Correct.
3: Well, it would be like saying, well, the Holy Spirit, he can work any way he wants to. So I'm going to go out and not go to church. I'm just going to find that out in nature because the Holy Spirit can do his work out there. But then I'm telling the Holy Spirit how he should do his right. work mm-hmm. instead of listening to what he's actually told me. And that's manipulative.
0: And he has told me something else. Yeah. He's given me his word I can count on. Hey, Vent, you had a hand? Did you remember your question? Reformed Um, reformed churches would be churches like the Baptist Church, the Methodist Church, anything that's not Lutheran or Roman Catholic. They would consider themselves Reformed. And where that comes from is, even though we talk about the Reformation, where the Lutheran Church reformed the errors, the Reformed Church said, yeah, that's not enough. We want to go further than that. And so they would say that the body and blood, yeah, it's not that we're going to reform and go further. And, and the idea that uh, God is going to give us new birth and baptism, no, we're going to go further. Than that. And they, that's why we call that.
1: So as long as it's Lutheran, it's okay?
0: Is what?
1: As long as it's Lutheran, it's okay? Um, as long
0: as it's Lutheran, it's okay. As long as it's scriptural, It's okay. that's what matters. You know, what, what does God's word? So that's why we go back to the words of institution, the words that are there.
1: I remember you telling us this you know, lesson years ago that this is a last will and testament for his children. And in a last will and testament, you speak very clearly. You don't speak figuratively. We don't, we don't have anything figuratively written in our wills for our kids. And I remember that just being such a...
0: And there's appropriate times. You're right. There's appropriate times where you talk about a grain of wheat, unless it falls into the ground, it, produce, you know, it dies of itself. But if it dies, it'll produce many seeds. And you kind of go, okay, that's the picture. What are we talking about? And you are yeah, right. But in the last will and testament, you don't don't talk that way, no. Um, And in a last will and testament, you don't interpret or change what someone has told us. Um, This is what he wants us to have. So that's the sacrament of the altar. Those are the words. We'll come back to those words one more time and uh, keep pushing on through with the uh, catechism. Right. Page two twenty four. We will be using the Latin one. You are correct. Um, Lamb of our salvation. Thank you. Mm -hmm. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me.
1: Make haste to help me, O Lord.
0: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and it will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ, Lamb of our salvation. You may be seated. The reading is from Luke chapter 18 on the back of the bulletin. Then Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Then it happened, as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road, begging, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight, and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Here ends the reading. Our hymn, "If Thy Beloved Son, O God. If thy beloved Son, O God, had not to earth descended, and clad in mortal flesh and blood, since that chains had not tended, my soul, in untold misery, would pine in hell thee. Because of my transgression, but, but now, now sweet peace and rest I find. discern no more reigns o'er me, since burden need, need not press on mine. For Christ hath borne it for me. Upon the, the cross for me He, he died. Th- that reconciled the night night up high with thee, my God, forever. Therefore in childlike faith, my heart builds all its hosts on Jesus. Abiding peace he doth impart from burdens he releases. His holy blood for me was still to, to cleanse me from the stains I of guilt. Whiter than snow he washed me. Safe through Savior, my was precious blood, I am rejoicing Savior. ever. Not from thy, thy grace, grace O Lord my God, My My ransom sword can suffer. All that that my my blessed redeemer's death hath won for me
1: is mine through faith, and Satan cannot
0: harm me. Great is the carnal righteousness that seeketh exaltation works of law which cannot bless, I trust in Christ's salvation. His all-sufficient sacrifice, paid the tremendous ransom price, and I am saved. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. What's going to happen in Jerusalem? He's going to die on the cross. cross. He tells them ahead of time, even before he gets to uh, Jericho, where the blind man is in verse 35, He tells his apostles ahead of time what's going to happen. What about the Old Testament? Did the Old Testament have anything to say about this Jesus?
2: Son of David (laughs) has
0: everything to say about it. In fact, the whole purpose of the Old Testament already was. The point is coming to point to his coming, to teach us about this Jesus. Friend, immediately, Adam and Eve, when they got into trouble over their sin, the promise was said, there's going to come a seed. It's going to be the seed of the woman. It's going to be one of the male children. He's going to crush that of a serpent. They kept letting Abraham know, you are going to be in the line of the promise. We get to David, uh, and the promise is that he's going to be in the line of David, one of King David's descendants as the uh, Savior. He's going to be a king who sits on a throne. It's been telling us ahead of time. So when Jesus came, all the Jews received him. (laughs) What? (laughs) But you just tell me the whole Old Testament is about that. And so when he came, what happened? Well, they
2: ignored him. They crucified him.
0: Well, not the Jews. Uh, yeah. Um,
2: yeah. No, they use the, the Romans as the instrument, but they did not work.
0: Yeah. You are correct. Um, and so we see in this story is that Jesus lets the apostles know, uh, as it is written by the prophets, in fact, all the things that are written by the prophets, um, that might be a little something you ought to uh, uh, remember when you have your uh, evangelical uh, uh, television programs, and they start telling you how the prophecies are coming to fulfillment in modern-day Israel and in, you know, what, whatever thing is happening right now. Jesus says all the things written by the prophets come to fulfillment in him, not in changing in world events or the newspaper today. So, those things written by him, he tells them they will be accomplished. He does more than just tell them he's going to die on a cross. He gets rather explicit about this thing. And what do we find? With verse 34, (laughs) in three different ways, the writer Luke lets us know that they understood none of these things, this thing was hidden from them and they didn't know the things that were, which were spoken. Do you think they got it? No. Does it surprise them? Well, no, the entire Old Testament. Jesus coming into... I mean, of course, yes. But why? Why? God didn't... <laughs> they might have. Um, did God not care? Um, was God holding their ears shut? Um, obviously, it was for a purpose that he told them these things. He,
2: he told them so they would remember later that he spoke spoken that. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, evidently, it was not for that time. Now, because of their misconceptions because of their ideas, even though he tells them quite plainly, they don't grasp it. When do they get it?
1: Pentecost? When? Pentecost?
0: Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah, you don't see it quite clearly till Pentecost. Um, With the resurrection of Christ, it starts to come, but... (laughs) <laughs> Thomas takes a little more convincing. Than, I mean, but but yes, absolutely. And so, what has to be done? Well, the only way that this happened is that the Holy Spirit works through His Word to teach us. Um, this first part of the rest of the story. This first part, I'm going to say, quits. Fits quite clearly with our Lenten journey. We're going to begin with Ash Wednesday. We're going to make a trip to Jerusalem. Everything about it is going to be turning to what Jesus is to do until we get to the cross on Good Friday. And, as it says here, then he will rise again and we'll have the resurrection. You don't go into Lent wondering, boy, I just don't know what's going to happen. (laughs) We know what's going to happen. We know the end of the story, and he's letting them know ahead of time as well. Um, it's the only thing that gets us through our life because we know it is at the end. It is a resurrection for all who believe in Christ.
1: You asked why they didn't understand. Do you think you gave them understanding because he wanted them along for the whole thing? And maybe they wouldn't have been able to. I mean, maybe that was part of how he did it. You know what I'm saying? If they knew that, like Dan said, they wouldn't have been, you know, dragging Jesus back. <laughs> Peter would have at least. <laughs> yeah. um. The teachers hadn't been teaching clearly what was going to happen. They, they may have read the scriptures in the services, but they were probably... Ignoring parts of it, explaining parts of the way. They were explaining it in a wrong, wrong way. So the people were, you know, some of them understood, but not
0: really. It, but, but it was always probably pretty muddled. Um, I, I I will stop short of, of saying that this is simply God closing their ear. I just it don't it it would appear to me to be insincere for Jesus to speak these words without wanting them to know it, as if he's saying these, but I'm going to keep you you know I'm, I'm like I'm going to work against you I'm going to tell you but then I want to work against you. No. However, because of our misunderstandings, because of our thinking that we know the way things ought to go, and it definitely didn't think that it should work in that way. Um, did they know this Savior? Yes. Did they understand how this would work out? Well, they should have from these words. No. But they were not going to hear that. And that, that's the thing. It is our own sinfulness, our own, our will be done, that gets away, in the way. And when it does get in the way then, no, you can't understand it. Of course not. Um, similar to a pharaoh who, you know, God God gives the ten plagues trying to convert him. God's serious about it. But at the same time, he knows, due to his sinfulness, he's not going to hear it, and therefore the Lord hardens his heart. They, they, it goes. Pastor?
1: Well, I think we got to go back to the garden again. Because what what did God tell Adam and Eve? You can do anything you want in the world, except eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the first person that approached him about that, Satan, bingo, they bit right away. And unfortunately, we refuse to believe how blind we are. Great tip.
2: That like Pastor says, and my favorite, did God really say? It's the it's the sin that we've started with from the very beginning. We can't understand why God would work it that way. It doesn't make any sense. Right,
0: right. <laughs> so Jesus goes to Jericho. He's on the way to Jerusalem. The Passover is coming up. Hmm. And so here are all these people. There's a blind man. He's begging. What does he want? Want a little money. Want something to eat. Um, That's exactly. And this is a perfect time. Uh, There's parades of people going through. In fact, there appears to be a a rather important someone and and a big commotion. And wow, the, uh, the cam that I'm holding is clinking quite a bit. What's going on here? The blind man wants to know what it meant. They said, it's Jesus of Nazareth passing by. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. D- did he get the wrong guy? I-, I, thought, I thought it was Joseph and Mary or something. Who's this David guy?
1: This guy knew the scripture.
0: <laughs> this guy so, knew the scriptures. Right, this blind man knows. This is not a matter of, you know, this is a confession. When you say someone's the son of David, He's declaring Jesus to be the Messiah. The blind man knows exactly who this guy is. Um, And at this point, when he cries out for Jesus, is he wanting money? No. He cries out his name. He calls him the Son of David. That is, you're the Messiah, you're the Savior. And he's asking for mercy. When we ask for mercy, it may be we want mercy for our transgressions. We want mercy so our eyes can see. We want mercy for, you know, whatever it might be that we have daily bread. It could be a wealth of things. But he's crying out and asking for mercy. There is a parade. We find that this man joins in Lord and he follows Jesus. But in this text, it lets us know that there is Jesus and there's those who are going before him. What are the people going before? What do they say? Don't. Don't bother Jesus. Quiet. Get out of here. We don't want you to know. And yet the guy cries out even more. Um, When Jesus hears it, does Jesus tell you, get that guy quiet. He's messing up the parade. No, Jesus stops the parade. Um, Why? Because he heard a cry for mercy. He hears someone who believes in him. He hears someone who calls him the son of David, who has faith. And so he says, bring that man to me. Stop everything. That's exactly what he does. He brings the man to Jesus. Uh, He asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that kind of a silly question? Jesus knows what the problem is. The man knows what the problem is. Everyone else needs to hear what?
1: His confession. And
0: the confession that this man says, Jesus, you can give me back my sight. I believe you can do that. Exactly. And so, with this confession, then Jesus uh, being done, he gives him back his sight. Um, he tells him, your faith has made you the translations, as has made you well. It can also be has saved you. Um, I, I don't think it's simply a matter of, of having faith, therefore saved. But having saved you through faith, you cried out to me asking for bodily healing. And so, yes, of course. If you didn't have faith in who I was, if you weren't saved, you wouldn't even cry out to me. Um, and so the connection that is between salvation and the Uh, the gifts of faith uh, that comes with it. Um, He received his sight, and what did he do? He followed him. Well, wait a minute. We got Jesus going to Jerusalem. We got the people in front telling him, be quiet, don't come. And we got the people following behind because they believe and trust. Sounds like a bigger spiritual truth, if you ask me. Who came before Jesus? The Jews, the the Old Testament, those who didn't get it. Those who followed after him is the New Testament, the believers. And those who come to faith fall in behind that they might go with Jesus. Um, yes, we always are having this. The Old Testament comes first, the New Testament later. The Old Testament had the uh, invitations, but then they wouldn't come. Those later get invitations and come. We, we have a similar kind of thing here. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. It is an example of well, Jesus taking his church and putting it together so that they praise Jesus for who He is. Um, Also, I would say, just as we have salvation through faith in Jesus, we trust in him. We are always asking for mercy, and he loves to hear those words. Uh, But we also then fall in line behind Jesus. We also take up our cross and follow him. We also, well, yes, uh, um, we go with him, um, but he goes with us. And with that, there is great comfort, because if we die with Christ, we will rise with him. That is the resurrection that we that we seek. Questions. All right. Our second blue sheet. They're both blue tonight. Um, I had one at one time, but I don't think I do. Nope. Thank you. Please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, have mercy and hear us. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. That men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness, and for His wonderful works to the children of men.
1: Let them exalt Him also in the company of the people, and praise Him in the company of the elders.
0: He turns rivers into a wilderness. And the water springs into dry ground. Up through
1: the land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in him.
0: He turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry
1: dwell, that they may establish a city for a dwelling place.
0: And sow fields and plant vineyards, that they may yield a fruitful harvest.
3: He
1: also blesses them, and they multiply greatly. And He does not let their be decrease.
0: Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy. As it was in the beginning,
1: is now and ever shall be, world without end of Oh, oh that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men.
0: The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, we implore you mercifully hear our prayers and having set us free from the bonds of sin, defend us from all evil. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. The final petition. O God, who has sounded into our ears thy divine and salutary oracles, illuminate the souls of us sinners to the comprehension of that which has been read, so that we may not only be seen to be hearers of spiritual things, but doers of good works, following after faith without guile, blameless life conversation without charge of guilt in Christ Jesus our Lord with whom thou art blessed with thy most holy and good and quickening spirit now and ever and to ages of ages. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thank be God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil and bring us to everlasting life.
1: Amen.